But I want you to open up in Luke chapter 13. And we come to a very interesting passage. Verse 22, And he went through the cities of the village and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many say, I to you will seek to, in, uh, to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east, the west and from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are, less, uh, there are last who will be first and they are first who will be last. One man came to Jesus, followed him, saw all the things that Jesus did. He heard what Jesus taught. He asked this question, Lord, are there few who are saved? Few. And then Jesus answers him. He says, well, strive to enter through the narrow gate. It's a narrow gate. It's not a big gate. Many say, I to you will seek to enter and will not be able. Many will seek and will not be able to go in. That is a hard word, won't you say? Many will seek, but few will find a way. There's two groups of people here. Many and few. You know the big message in the world is there's going to be a great revival before Jesus Christ comes? Jesus didn't teach that here. Wherever I read through the Bible, I see that there's going to be an apostasy. You know what an apostasy is? It is a falling away. The Bible says that people will grow cold in their hearts towards Him. The Bible says that they will turn their backs on the church and on God and will walk in the ways of the world. Many will do that. This is what the Bible says. Jesus says, narrow is that way. And I want you to focus on verse 25. It says, when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, you see there's something that's going to happen, an action that took place? The door has been shut. Jesus himself said the last days, the days that you and I are living in right now, will be as of the days of Noah. Do you know that? In the days of Noah there were violence, strife, people turned their backs upon God, sodomy, homosexuality, all of these things were, were just taking over the world. But there was one family of a few people and there was one ark with a small door. And one day, that door was shut. What happened to the people who were outside? First they knocked on that door. They shouted when the water did come. He says, and 
you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And He will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. I do not know you. I want you to understand one thing. These were people who were sitting in church. They were people who were part of the Christian body. I said it this morning to talk. I said, you know, it's so easy to become a Christian in our day and ages. So easy. I've got examples of that. You can even be a Buddhist and proclaim to be a Christian because they believe in many gods and Christ is only one of their gods. And they can come up to you and say, well, I believe in Christ. And you'll say, wow, isn't that fantastic? You are a Christian. You believe in his name. But he's a Buddhist. But they believe in Christ. It's so easy these days to become one. These people who were knocking at the door, why were they knocking at the door? Because problems and trouble came their way. You see, when it's going good in our lives, so many times we turn away from God because we, can, we are self-proficient, aren't we? I mean, look at children when they grow up. When they are small, they depend on you. But once they hit the teenagers, what happens? I want to stand on my own two feet. I want to be independent. And so many times in, in Christianity, and I call it Christianity because people think they, they've got the real thing. Sometimes they come and they grow up and they become spiritual teenagers. And they come to God and say, we can now stand on your own two feet. We've got a life that's going on around us. Look at it. But dear friends, in one moment, that life can be taken away from you. And what happens then? Then you start knocking at the door. And this is what's happening with these people. I want you to understand this, because in verse 27 he says, But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from all your workers of iniquity. Look at verse 26. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence. What did we do this morning? We ate and drank in His presence. Oh, there's so many people who will come up to me in those last days and say, Lord, but we were there every single service. Lord, we were there every step of the way. We ate and drank in Your presence. We sat down with You. That means we had fellowship. Why are you closing the door now? You know what caught me? And you taught in your streets. And you taught in your streets. So the teaching was out there. We are living in a time where there are more Bibles being printed than ever before. There are more gospel uh, teaching on the TV than ever before. Have you realized? There are more churches than ever before. And the Word of God has been taught outside. But do you think the people want to listen? But I'll tell you what, the day when the door is going to shut, that is when they're going to run. The day when the things which we're preaching from the pulpits and saying, prepare your lives, get yourself right with God. The day when those messages will be preached, they don't listen to that. But one day is going to be a day when they will be running for the churches. And a good example of that was 9-11. After that, every, all the churches were filled around New York. And now they're into again. And right after, you, you know, even Christian evangelists came on TV and they preached and said, this is the great revival. Out of calamity, that revival. Because the churches were filled. And now today, what happened to the revival? 
I want to suggest to you that those people after 9-11 who went into all those churches were knocking at the door and said, Lord, but we ate in your presence and you taught in your streets. But he's going to say the following words. I tell you, I do not know you. Where you are from, depart from me all you workers of iniquity. Yes, you see, they, he did teach in these streets, but they did not listen. And you and I need to listen to the Word of God. I got an interesting article which I want to just read to you a few questions that's been asked to Barack Obama personally about religion. You can be these days a Muslim and proclaim to be a Christian. They got him in an interview and they asked him straightforward questions about the gospel. And this is the gospel according to Barack Obama. They asked him, what is your view about God and Jesus? And this is in his own words. I believe that there are many paths to the same place. All roads lead to Rome. There are many paths to the same place. And that is a belief that there is a higher power. A belief that we are connected as a people. Have you found the problem with that answer? There are many paths that went to God. Many paths. So I can be a Muslim... I can be a Buddhist. I can be a Hare Krishna. Hey man, I can be a sinner just having a really good life and now and then give money to Oxfam, okay? And that path will take me where I want to be. You know, I'm a good person and that path will take me there. This is his belief. But listen, this is not only his belief. This are millions of people in this world's belief. So, what is your belief? Now, this is what he says about Jesus. Listen to this. Jesus is an historical figure for me. Historical figure. So, what is your view then about hell? They asked him. I find it hard to believe that my God would consign four-fifths of the world to hell. You see, when I came to the Bible this morning and I started off with the good news, Jesus said, narrow is the gate. And few is those who will find the path. This man has got something right here. He says, I find it hard that my God will consign four-fifths of the world to hell. The Bible says God will do it. But this is now the gospel of the day. So what is your view on salvation and the born-again experience? I'm a big believer in tolerance. I think that religion at its best comes with a big dose of doubt. So I am a fundamentalist, okay? You're looking at a fundamentalist. And fundamentalist, and I want to re-emphasize what I'm saying, is believing in the Word of God. If the Bible says there was a flood, there was a flood. A literal flood. Not a spiritual flood. If the Bible says there was a man like name of Noah, then there was a man with the name of Noah. If the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by fire and brimstone, then I believe there was a fire and brimstone that came from heaven and destroyed them. If the Bible says that Jonah was, was eaten up by a whale, then I believe he was taken in by a whale. It, it had to be a big whale, I don't care, but he, had, he was in the, in the tummy of a whale. And if my Bible says he was spat out and he came alive, then he was. I believe every single word from cover to cover 
from the first word to the last word is literal. It is applying to us. It's relevant to our day and our age. I believe this is the cornerstone of humanity. I believe this is the answer of every man's life. And if you dwell away from this word, then your life is in serious trouble. Enough of him. It makes me sick sometimes to listen to these things. On Thursday evening, we were picked up at half past one from the airport. I was driving back and I thought, listen, I'm listening to News Talk ZP. Let me turn over to that. I'm going to listen to what's going on. I've missed a week's politics and a week's sayings and a week's murders that's going on in the country. Let's catch up. And there was this radio host on Pat. And guess what they were discussing? This holy city that's going to be built. Have you heard about that? Brian Tamaki, Destiny Church's holy city that's coming up. And I was sitting there and listening. I thought, man, I've missed nothing in a week's time. It's all the same, old same. And I listened from one person to the other person to the other person coming on the radio and giving their views. And I said, man, I've had enough. I'm going to phone them now. I got onto the phone and I rang them, okay? And I, I came online and I spoke to Pat on air. I said, Pat, you know, the problem here is the following. I say that there is these people who want to build a kingdom. They are called kingdom now theologists. And I know I had him in a spin because he didn't know what I was talking about. And he also said, he says, what can you explain? I said, let me explain to you. In the Bible, it is written in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth. He's going to set up his kingdom and rule for a thousand years. And now there are people in this world who say that they are now building his kingdom. And when this kingdom is fulfilled and built, then Christ will return back and rule. I said, Pat, I've got news for them. And I said this over the radio. When he, he is going to come back, their kingdoms will not rule. His kingdom will rule. And I said, because my Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he was silent. And then I started, he said, well, surely you must understand that if people come together, they have fellowship. Because he, he picked that up from another person who talked about fellowship. I said, yes, let me explain to you the word fellowship. It comes from the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia means we've got one thing in common. And if you call yourself a child of God, by the way, Pat, this comes through being born again experience. You can't join it. The problem is people are building churches and they don't get into a relationship with God. And I said, this is the problem. People are building their churches and when the church falls or this figure man which is standing in front and everybody praises this big man, he falls, everybody falls with him. But if you are connected to Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior, and you've got a personal relationship with Him, then nothing can touch you. I said, that's why I'm not upset. Let this man build his holy city. I said, man, I'm not even taking him on. But I'm, I'm telling you now, it is a personal relationship. And his first words, and I, I quoted another scripture, he said, oh, this is becoming too much theological. We've got to move on. But I had for something like 15 to 20 minutes time to preach the gospel. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. You can these days be a Hindu and call yourself a Christian. It's acceptable for the world to do that. There you've got it. Barack Obama says he's fine. And if he says he's fine, there are thousands and millions today who believe that. And it's good to do that. But I want to tell you, the Bible says it's not right. And if the Bible says it's not right, then it's not right. I believe what the Bible says. I believe God meant what He said and He said what He meant. And that is the truth. Jesus says there are few who will find the way. There are few who will be saved. 
In Luke chapter 3 to 13, 23, he says, when he went through, this man came to him and said, Lord, are there few who are saved? I want to tell you this, if this question has been asked to a lot of people today, they will say, oh yeah, I mean, there's one guy here, he's got a million followers, and what did he say? He says, there's many paths. There's many paths that, that, that goes to God. Can I tell you another person who sees it? And sees for a lot of people, the pastor, the preacher. So many people, even Christians listen to her. They hang on her lips. Oprah. Have you heard of her? The gospel according to Oprah. But I'll tell you what, she says that on, her say, on one of her programs. I don't look at it, but it, it made so much ruffles through that I had to read about that. But you see, these are the, the messengers to these days that people listen to. But what does Jesus say? Let me rephrase this question to you. Will there be a few who will be saved or will there be lots? Will there be lots? Jesus had his view on this question. And he answers it in his way. He says, few will be saved. Many people think most will be saved. Or to put it in another way, that most people will go to heaven. If you go to the average Joe Blow and you say, hey listen, where are you going? And, and the church going Joe Blow I'm talking about, he says, man, I'm on my way to heaven. How are you going to get there? I don't know, I'll take any bus that leads me there. But I'll get there. Many people think that a lot of people will go, yeah, Jesus thought that a few would be saved. Listen to him, he said, strive to enter the, through the narrow gate. The narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be allowed and will not be able to go in there. Matthew 7.13 Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And it's so true. Look at us this morning. I, I'm not saying we're the only church. There are many churches. But if you take the people sitting in church this morning, compared to the population of our area here, there's only but a few people who are seeking God, who's looking for God. Only a few. But broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who, is, who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. You see, we have to press hard against it. We have to press hard against That word difficult there, by the way, comes from a Greek word which means to lean hard against a rock face. As hard as you can. Not falling on it, leaning against it. We sang it this morning, leaning on the everlasting arms of God. The Bible says that He's the rock on which the church has been built. He's the rock of my salvation. We have to lean so hard against Him. But it's easy these days to be a Muslim and call yourself a Christian. There's a few things that we have to remember. Only eight souls, eight souls were saved during the flood. You remember that? There were thousands on the earth and when, when Noah came around and he preached to them, he said, there's a rain coming. Be safe. Repent. What did they do? They laughed at him. They scoffed at him. And while he and his sons were, and he and his family were building that ark and the animals were coming closer, what did they do? They even laughed harder. You know what they did? They went into their wild parties, drink parties, and you know, it, it is amazing to see these days how people take photographs of themselves and portray to the world about how they are having fun. Let me tell you, there's a difference between having fun in the world and having 
the blessedness of God and the happiness of God. Did you know there's a difference between joy and happiness? And I'll tell you what the difference is. Happiness is determined by your emotion. That's what happiness is all about. Oh, you know, I've saved so long for a motor vehicle. I got the car. Look at it now, man. I'm so happy. I'm looking all over the things. I'm so happy person. I couldn't have been happier in my life. Look at this nice gadget there and boom, you're going to a tree. And then you remember, oh dear, I haven't taken out insurance on this car. And then all of a sudden your happiness is gone. Because happiness is built on emotion. And you know what people say these days? Oh, we'll go to the party, we'll do this thing, because everybody's doing it, and it makes us happy. But tomorrow morning when you wake up with a headache, you're not happy anymore. You feel empty and drawn out. But you see, joy is different. Because joy is the condition of the heart. Joy is the condition of the spirit. And dear friends, once you come to the fountain, once you come to the rock, Jesus Christ, and He takes away your old life, He gives you joy, joy, joy. And you see, emotion can't influence your joy. Why? Because it's, and it can't, it's, it can't change. Because it's anchored in the old rugged cross. That's where you and I need to be. Eight souls were saved from the flood. It's good to remember that only three souls escaped the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Who were they? Noah, his wife, and his two daughters. And what happened to the wife? She went up the hill and she looked back. And what happened to her? Changed into a pillar of salt. So only three souls. You see, some people, they want to be saved, but they want to hold on to the world. They want to live in two worlds. You cannot. You either follow Christ or you follow the world. You can't serve two masters. Only two men out of thousands over the age of 20 were permitted into the land of Canaan. Few, the Bible says, will find a way. Make sure that you are part of that few. Sadly, Jesus said this. There will be few who find the way that leads to life. Now, my dear friends, if I am preaching this in a denominational church, they will say, this is not an encouraging message. No. It's easy to find a way. It's so easy. You just come up for a prayer and it's done. No, dear friends. You will find out it's not so easy. Just do a few things. There's a few things. Yes, it is a free gift. Yes, you have to come to the cross, but your life will have to be changed as well. First of all, let us determine today, basic fact of Christianity 101, Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the only way. There is no other way. Sorry, Barack Obama, you are wrong. You, you ain't even sincerely wrong. You're just wrong. Sorry, Winifred Oprah, you are wrong. Sorry, world, you are wrong. There's only one. Let this fundamentalist say it this morning. Let they make us terrorists and lock us up, but I'll stand behind bars and say, Jesus is the only way. Let them take everything away from me, but Jesus is the way. You see, they can martyr and they can, they can do whatever they can do in me, but they can't take away my joy. Joy, joy. They cannot take it away. Take away my happiness, but you don't take away my joy. Many people think all religious people will be saved. As some put it, it doesn't really matter what you believe, just believe. Have you heard that? I've heard it. Yet Jesus thought that no one comes to the Father but through him. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, 
I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. He is the only way. And it's good to remember a few, a few things. The example of Cornelius, a religious person who needed salvation. I want you to, to focus on these things, okay? There's a difference between having a religion and a relationship with God. In the book of Acts chapter 10, we see the story about Peter on the roof. He saw this unclean animals coming down and God told him to eat. But what happened in verse 1 is really interesting. It says there was a man, a certain man in Caesarea. He wasn't just an ordinary man, he was a certain man. So there was actually this man called Cornelius and a lot of people knew him because he was a certain man. A centurion of, of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed always to God. Well, the good things about him, he was a devout man. You see, every Sunday he was in church. He was devout. He wouldn't lie one morning and say, oh, you know, I'm tired. Oh, just call me church again. I wonder if God wakes up that same morning and says, oh, yeah. You know, God never sleeps. I'm just, you know, he's just close. Oh, I'm so tired. Look at him, he's sleeping in bed. Maybe I'll, I'll take a nap while he takes a nap. God never does that. God's always awake. He's waiting for you. You see, sometimes we don't understand it. You're going through a problem. You are praying to God, please God, give me an answer. God, I'm giving you the answer, but you know, you ain't listening. And maybe this morning, for some people who's not here with the empty chairs, maybe this message are for them, but they will never hear this. Oh, I'll grab the CD. Listen, friends, if you ain't here this morning to listen, if you won't listen to the CD. It ain't the same. I've found it so many times. People come to me and they've got problems and I, I talk to them and I minister to them and then God lays a message on my heart and I come to Sunday and I preach and while I'm preaching I go, if that person was only here to hear that. If that person was only here to hear that. Now, maybe it takes another two to three months for that person to come to the place to hear what God wanted to tell him that morning. Are you with me now? This was a devout man. Okay? If you look at him you say, well, he's a good man. One who feared God even. One who feared God with his household. So he taught his children well. This was a good man. I mean, if, if you look at the man, you say, well, he's on his way to heaven. He believes. You know, everyone who believes will get there. And look at this. He even gave arms generously to the people. And he was even a prayer. AP prayed. I'll tell you one thing. This man is doing a lot more things than a lot of people in the church are doing. Would you believe with me this morning that this was a good guy? A religious guy? But he had one problem. He didn't found the way yet. You see, you can sit in church every Sunday, but you, you haven't found the way yet. I want to introduce you the way. His name is Jesus Christ. You come to Him, the old ragged cross. Then Peter opened, and I'm just jumping a little bit forward now, after you see this coming off, they were men at his door, and he went with them. And now he came into the house of Cornelius in verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, I, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to his children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So God saw this man 
And God saw that he had a hunger in his heart. He prayed. He was a devout man. And God knew that he had to get Peter to this man to introduce what to him? Jesus Christ. If God looked at him there and said, well, he's alright, he believes, that's fine, he'll come here. Why did God send Peter to him? No, God knew he had to bring him to him to bring him the word that Jesus is the only way. And then the good news happened. Verse 43. To him all the prophet witnessed that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and they were saved. Isn't that a fantastic story? Burn all the books in the libraries. There's a better story this morning. A soul that's been saved. Jesus is the way. We will do well to remember the following examples. If you open in, in Acts, you remember him? He was riding on his chariot. What did he do? He was reading the Bible, man. Better than some Christians read their Bibles these days. He was sitting there and reading the Bible. And God spoke to one of his men. He says, run next to the chariot. Overtake the chariot. And what did he lead him to? He explained to him, Jesus Christ is the way. He accepted Christ and he was saved and baptized the same day. What about Lydia? She was a devout woman. She went with all the women down to the water and what did they do? They, they prayed to God. She prayed more than some Christians today pray. And she kept on praying. And Paul came to her and said, Listen, let me tell you about Christ, the one whom you're praying about. And God opened up her heart and she accepted him and she found the way. Narrow is the way that leads to... What about Paul? He met Christ from Damascus. Only those who obey will find that way. That comes to Christ. Many think that all who believe in the name of Jesus will be saved. Well, Barack Obama believes in the name of Jesus, but he believes he's a historical figure. Matthew 7.21 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. He who does the will of my Father. He's doing the will of the Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Who hears these things and preach them. Who hears these things and do them. I read in another passage that when we come to him, he will say, Well said, my child, into heaven. Is that what he's going to say? No, he's going to say, well done. The things you and I do. Now, we don't work for our salvation. I just want to correct this. It is for free. But after we are saved, God is starting to use us. And we have to obey His Word. That's why they want to throw away the Bible. It's hard to obey for them. Because we have to keep up our morals. Have you noticed these last few years, that all the murderers and the people who seems to be stealing, and they are being set free. And innocent people are being captured. We'll do well to remember the following, that Jesus is the author of our salvation and we have to obey Him. Hebrews 5 verse 9, And having been perfected, He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. To all who obey Him. But hey, it's so easy to become a Christian these days. 
you just go to one of these big churches and go into one of those big meetings and when they have a a calling you to the front, you go out to the front and hey, then you're safe and you can go on with your old life. No, it's a step of obedience. You start to obey Him. It's good to remember that the end of those who do not obey His gospel, listen to the 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are nearly finished with the book of Revelation and there we read about this happening when the vengeance of God is coming down on the earth and the church has been raptured, moved away. This is going to happen. We'll do well to remember that not all believers will be saved. What about Cornelius? God sent him Peter. And if he turned his back on Peter, it, I'm sorry, he, he can have been a devout man and fear everything, but he had to come to the cross and he had to repent of his sin. James 2.19, you believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe this and tremble. John 7.42, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You know that there are many people who believe in God, but they don't want to take the step. They don't, just don't want to take the step to, to say, Lord, save my soul. Because they are so afraid that their Pharisees will put them out. So what if the people put you out? If God puts you in. If He puts you in, you're in the, you, you find the joy, not the happiness anymore. Now let's conclude. There are people who believe that many, if not all, is saved. This is a comfortable doctrine of the day. Let's not stand out. Let's not make people mad. Let's just soothe them. Let's compromise. It's a comfortable doctrine to say that. It's no conflict. Hey, listen, why do you always have to be so conflict? Why do you always have to take on these unbelievers? Well, I want to tell you why. Because they are wrong. And somebody has to stand up and say they are wrong and there's a right way. And the right way is Jesus Christ. It is a view that is praised as tolerant and loving. Final scripture verse, John 8.30. As he spoke these words, this is Jesus. Many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You and I am not Jews. I'm not a Jew. I haven't got Jewish blood in me. My nose is too fat and too short. (laughs) That's not the only sign. But dear friends, this is applicable to me. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciple. Now I want to ask the, the opposite of that. If you do not abide in the word, you're not his disciple. You have to abide in the word. I want to repeat the word of God over and over and over again so that this people here this morning believe the word of God. Let's all stand and pray.